0: to the Western Huntsman Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this episode of the Western Huntsman Podcast. This is Jim Huntsman, the host, and I'm coming at you from the Broken Tine Studio right here in Clark Fork, Idaho. And I'm super excited to come at you tonight because I got a really special guest on tonight. He's a uh, repeat guest, and we're going to roll right into this episode. Um, I have uh, no announcements or anything major other than the contest winner from the Phelps Game Calls giveaway has still not reached out to me, and I'm going to give him one more chance. And he even mentioned something on Facebook, and I told him what episode to listen to to find out who the winner was on that episode. So, Victor Gonzalez, you got to email me, brother. Jim at the Western That is Jim at the Western Huntsman.com. Reach out to me, and you, sir, are the winner of the Phelps Game Call Package Giveaway. Uh, which leads me to the next point. We have some more giveaways coming up. We've got a Scree gear giveaway. We have a, uh, some more Phelps gear to give away with, uh, September just around. It's basically knocking on our, knocking on our door right now. Um, and pertinent to tonight's episode, we have a really cool giveaway with Tacticam. So from the sunny shores of Arizona, Give it up for Rudy Nunez. Rudy, did I say your name right?
1: (laughs) You got it right, I got
0: tongue-tied, man.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, hey, yeah, thanks for having me on again. Um, Appreciate all the listeners out there. Uh, Love coming on here and talking shop with you uh, with all the things that you did for the School of September and everything that we got planned individually and collaboratively. Man, it's gonna be exciting.
0: It is gonna be exciting, dude. We got a lot to talk about with September just knocking on our door like this, and uh, the way—I I mean, this season is just coming together. I don't know about for you, but I—I've I, been watching you on on social media and what you've been posting with uh, some of those uh, can th- those pictures coming in on your reveal? um how that's going to pan out and i know where you're going hunting we won't say it on the show but i, I know the general area where you're going and i don't think you're going to be disappointed i, I want to talk about that amongst a you know ton of other things tonight so
1: yeah go ahead yeah no so this is uh, first time first time uh, going to be elk hunting archery elk hunting in utah I'm really excited. Um, You know, I've done Colorado over the counter the last few years and had very successful hunts. Didn't come home with a cooler full of meat, but um, you know, you I've heard you talk about it quite a bit. Even if you come out with tag soup, you know, you still come out with some kind of knowledge or or uh, you know something that you can take away from the hunt. But yeah, this year, man. So got my over the counter Utah tag. Uh, You and I have talked about this before that everybody should. Either start planning uh, to do a, a over-the-counter hunt. It's not impossible. It's not uh, a rich man's game. Um, you can start putting away and, and start saving a little bit at a time, so that you can make this a reality in a year, two years, three years. Um, but yeah, like you said, I just found a really great place and have a couple cameras out. I'm scouting from Arizona, so um, just been getting some really excellent bulls on camera. Um, and man, really excited about getting out there here at the end of the week. did you,
0: did you go all the way to where you're getting those pictures from to set these cameras or, or did you have some help
1: with that? I had some help. I have some little elves out there.
0: (laughs) Based on where I know you're living and where I know those cameras are set, that is quite the hike.
1: Yeah. So I'm in Southern Arizona. Um, it's a 14 hour drive to where I want to go. And so this is actually a really good point to talk about um, and touch on is the whole benefit of e-scouting, you know, putting your time in Mm -hmm. e-scouting as well as. Um, it's always good to know people in the area, so I do know some hunters up there that are pretty familiar with the area. So what I did is I mailed two of my reveal Cell trail cameras up there. Um, they, they put them up in some strategic locations. So now, essentially, I'm patterning these elk and I'm getting a good sense of like what's in the area. Um, you know, real time to my phone. So it, it's really been a game changer. I hope it helps my odds in the end. Um, and I really have a, a good basic strategy that I'm going to be going in with.
0: Well, it's, it's Ginu for sure. I mean, if, if you think about, okay, where you're going hunting, you already know there's bulls. Whoa. I just mm-hmm. hit my uh, mic stand. You already know there's bulls. Uh, you've seen them, you've shared them on, um, you know, Instagram or Facebook or whatever. Um, so we're all kind of watching, and so the, the the nice part with that, I know it's August, so there, there's a chance that some of those bulls are going to move come September. However, the, the bottom line is you're also getting cows, and where the cows are, the bulls are going to be. And that particular area that you're going is – man, those – I don't want to, like, give away a bunch of stuff because there's a lot of Utah listeners in here. And so I don't want to, like um, – create any issue where people think that i'm promoting non-residents to go to utah to hunt your spots if you're listening to this from utah <laughs> but, but utah right. has some very unique situations that make it very good for an elk hunter um that, uh, that that some other spots throughout the country don't don't experience so anyways i think you're in good shape man i am super excited for you and really looking forward to seeing how this season kind of comes together for you dude It's it's a great area. I can't say enough. I wish we could like throw some banner back and forth about where exactly it is you're hunting uh, while we're recording, because I know a lot about it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, definitely. Well, and that's the cool thing. I mean, I don't have the luxury of living in elk country, so for me to get up to elk country in Arizona, it's gonna take me four to five hours um, to get up there. Um, But the cool thing is that right now, through that cellular trail camera. Um, I'm able to watch the progression from July into August into September, as you have these bulls that are growing, they're in a bachelor group, they're in full velvet. Then you see, you know, the, 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 the cows are are herded up and, and um, then you start, then the velvet starts to shed a little bit. And then these groups of four and five are starting to be groups of two and three. And then you're starting to see individuals and, I could tell you that up until now, um, to now, I'm starting to see, you know, a l- less regular action on the camera, um, but I'm still getting quite a bit. So it tells me that, like you just like you said, those bulls, they're starting to disperse or they're starting to steer clear of each other, right? Um,
0: Let's talk about that cycle, because l- l- I think a yes. lot of people listening to this, they don't understand what's going on this time of year. So... For for those of you listening, right now it is it, it, it's the 24th, right? Before I say that on air, and I'm wrong. I believe it they're, is August 24th. Thereabouts, yeah, yeah, thereabouts, give or take a day or two. Um, okay, so we're at August 24th, and and for those of you listening, especially first time hunters, and and uh, some of you guys that are that haven't quite dove into like this life cycle of an elk and and all these things that are important to know as a hunter, um. What we're looking at with with Rudy's uh, track record with these cameras, what what that's telling us is the bulls have been together for the most part, right? Well, now they're kind of going off into what I've heard referred to as like this staging area. They're kind of staging. They're kind of setting the stage for September. So what that means is the 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 elk are gonna the, these bull elk are gonna run in these bachelor groups for most of the year, for basically eleven months out of the year. These bulls are running in these bachelor groups. They're together. They're hanging out. Uh, they're they're more mature. They're away from the cows, um, and they have no interest in being with the cows at this point. However, this time of year, now they're starting to get into that season for the rut, and they're starting to consider, okay, I am going to be a running bull, and I need to know who my competition is, and I need to split away from these yahoos so that I have a better chance of finding cows on my own. And, and Rudy, is there... Anything you want to interject there? Just, just let me know.
1: Not, not to interject. Um, just to add on to it, you know, um, they're starting to get physical changes, hormone changes, um, all Good these point. things. Yeah, all these things take into effect, and and it's just like you said, it's just a natural cycle. Um, these bulls, they they are prepping or like you said, staging to reproduce, which is mm-hmm. one of their most basic instincts. And um, it's really cool to see that real time. And I'm envious of people who live in elk country who can get out with a pair of binoculars or a spotting scope and kind of witness this stuff happen, uh, you know, either weekly after work. Um, but now this is the most exciting time to be getting ready for a hunt or being in the woods is oh, September. I, yeah, I can't brother. say that enough just My because brother. it's. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I'm really excited about that. And. Yep. So you said you said 11 months out of the year. I can I can I can tell from experience. Last year I had a rifle bull tag in New Mexico. I think it was like the second week in October. And so this this life cycle, the cycle that we're talking about right now that happens in September that we call the rut. And, and many of your listeners have experience and some may not have. I was on the tail end of that to where now these bulls they've they've rutted they've breed they've they've bred um and now they're starting to what i witnessed when i was out there in those hills in new mexico was they're starting to peel away from the cows and they're starting to like bachelor back up Mm -hmm. and that was like the second week in october and that i had a different strategy when i was hunting that you know that weekend than i would have in early september
0: yeah Actually, you make a good point there. I, I, I do want to clarify. It's not exactly 11 months. It's like 11 months, give or take. What it really is, in and this is just my perspective, because I do live in elk country, and I, I, I really monitor these elk. So throughout the year, what, what I've noticed is it's really 10 months, but it's two weeks prior to September and like two weeks after September. And in some cases, you will see elk... That are alone, or I'm sorry, bull elk alone around Halloween, still looking for some of those cows that haven't bred and they're going into that second cycle or whatever. But getting back to this cycle, what what they're doing now and what they've been doing for a week or two at this point is they're staging, they're splitting off from each other and they're determining a pecking order. They're determining who's the big bull in this area. And if there's a bigger batter bull than me, I need to move to a different area and find my own cows and hope that there isn't a bigger batter bull there, right? And so that's kind of what they're doing. And then they're going to go into the rut cycle, uh, which we all know is September. And then October rolls around, and they start kind of going into a recovery mode uh, where they're picking up some cows that haven't bred yet, maybe going into a second cycle. And then they're going to start towards the end of October, bacheloring back up, um going into uh, i like randy newberg's assessment of that and he says that they're going into sanctuary mode
1: where, sanctuary is right
0: yeah they're going into these deep dark holes these these, these far away places roadless areas where they're not going to get bothered and they can kind of recover because the rut's pretty tough on them so that's right yeah I'm, I'm glad you brought that up man i love talking about that stuff i geek out on
1: it like crazy yeah, it's so cool to see the pre, the, the during, and the after and, and yeah. experience
0: that. Yeah, and, and the difference, yeah, yeah, for sure.
1: So well, and, it, yeah, and also well, for that October hunt, you know, my strategy going in was um, get high and rely on my glass a what you, lot.
0: What do you mean get high? How high are you talking, like, get, get high. I mean, high?
1: mean. <laughs> <laughs> you know i was hunting around um i guess it was like 85 or 9,000 feet okay um getting getting high on a peak high on a knob glassing benches glassing clearings glassing meadows and stuff but what i found in northern new mexico is that man it is thick it is thick and my glassing theory was destroyed the first morning um you know it it, it was almost like if you were glassing onto a hillside or a mountainside, you only had these little openings between the pine trees and stuff. Um, so essentially what that hunt turned into for me, it almost felt like an archery hunt because I was, you know, side healing, walking saddles, walking valleys, walking cuts. And when I was in that timber, a a long shot would have been around 150 yards or in Hmm. and, and.
0: Oh, go go ahead. Go ahead, man. I cut you off.
1: No, and I was going to say, so my strategy from day one to day three and four, um, you know, I really went light on the calls. I mean, obviously, I knew that this was kind of post-rut time frame. Um, you know, they weren't going to be really reacting to cow or challenges, that sort of thing. So the first couple of days I was out there, I was just watching. I was just listening. I might have threw, threw a few locators out, you know, before the sun came up just to see if I got a response. And they were still talking a little bit. Um, I did get those early morning location bugles, And, and, um, and but ju- on, just to cut you off, like w- this
0: was the second week of October.
1: Yes. And you, yes, you they were, were still, getting, bo-
0: you were getting periodic responses to your locator calls.
1: Correct. And oh. I was getting, and I was, yeah, and they were still advertise Well, I wouldn't say advertising, but they were still, you know, announcing their locations like in the morning, right before the sun would come up. So it was really cool to see. It just wasn't that heavy ruddy action. Um, that we kind of expect in September. Yeah. But yeah, so come day three, day four, my tactics changed a little bit. So I started thinking, okay, if these bulls are not looking for cows to breed, they're not building their herds, their harems, um, what are they going to be doing? And And immediately I thought, okay, so they're going to start breaking away and they're going to start trying to find each other, these bulls. So I switched to just doing like low moans and groans, and I've heard you talk about those little lazy yeah. in the bed kind of kind of groans. I'll do one, and man. I'll do
0: one. Yes, right
1: now. Well, let's let's hear it. Do it. Let's hear it. <laughs> exactly it that. That's all it is. That's it. Yeah. I was doing that. I was doing very light chuckles. Um, you know, chuckles more of an invitation. Um, you know, and so once I started doing that, dude, cows started showing up spikes started showing up raghorns started showing up oh, nice. um and and i ended up calling in a one uh, a couple shooter bulls that just didn't pan out the way i hoped for trees excuse 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 <laughs> um but it seemed to me like i started having the like immediately i started noticing that i was having these close encounters and it just didn't seem like an accident um so hmm. it, it was really cool you don't get that kind of you can listen to all the podcasts and all the professionals out there and the experts out there. But until you actually get out there and start testing some various theories and building your own style, you just never know.
0: Yeah, no, I totally agree, man. And so it's funny you say that because I have an interesting perspective on that. Um, As as a podcast host, I get I get some of the best of the best on the show. Right. And and they're talking about these certain scenarios and and sometimes they they like draw this black and white line where right. there's like I've you have to do it this way or you're going to scare the bulls away or you're going to do this or you're going to do that and then when i'm in the field it's like in real time i prove that theory wrong and and i'm not i'm not disparaging anybody what i'm saying is there it, it, it may surprise many hunters to know what you can and can't do in the field to get a response out of an elk there's no like there's no like there's no book you were in the military right yes you know how they have this manual of of everything that you have to do and everything that you shouldn't do and you can't go outside you cannot gray the black and white lines in the military right right and if you do you get in trouble and i know because i did it one time and i got in trouble so the the thing is is that is not the case with elk hunting or any kind of hunting in, in my opinion. If you if you get creative and you get and I've heard Dirk Durham talk about this a lot. Get creative. Get find new ways to think outside of the box, both in your calling and your strategy and all these all these things that kind of make things come together for you and you might surprise yourself. It's I, I love it. That's what I love about hunting. There's no right or wrong answer.
1: I want to add a little bit of context for the listeners that maybe didn't catch the last podcast I was on, because that was heavy on my product and what we do as a company. Um, Yeah. I am not an elk expert. I am not a hunting expert. I'm a guy that started hunting late, and I'm a guy that started elk hunting even later. My first elk hunt was 2017, Mm -hmm. and it was a successful elk hunt. Um, I had a nice five-by-five on the ground within like 30, 45 minutes. It was very cool.
0: Was that the one where your uncle got one and then you walked away and got another one like this? I walked away. Morning?
1: Yes, I walk. I walked into the into the fray and, and I had one down like 30 minutes later. It was just a surreal experience. But I, I guess the point of what I'm trying to say is that, you don't. Uh, I, I'm not an expert. What I do do, though, is I do it. I do digest a lot of information, a lot of theories, a lot of um, like you said, like you've had a lot. The School of September has been fantastic. I've loved wow, to thanks, hear man. Joel and Dan, and of course loved hearing Dirk and Trent, and um, everybody has their own method. And mm-hmm. like you said, some are black and white. I was just on a podcast the other night, and the host asked me. He said, "You're really into elk hunting. So what what is your strategy? Like, what is your go-to?" And my answer was, "I try to let the elk and the elements." tell me how to be successful for that particular hunt because no two hunts that i've been on so far have been the same yeah Yeah. they've all had their own challenges it was either dry or hot or the bulls were on fire and i can get away with bugling my head off or full moon Um, or not full moon (laughs) whatever all sorts of stuff dude yes exactly so and what i've really consciously tried to do is not to pigeonhole myself into one theory one bag of trick like become a one trick pony um you know i really admire um i really admire um the elk nut you know i yeah Paul paul madel is is he's he's one of those guys that has been working with elk before it was cool you know um 30 40 years i think i heard him say not too long ago and um so i really really like how it's been a long time and i really like how he explains it like when you start to try to really figure out the secret can be the ask the elk are asking for something Mm -hmm. with their vocalizations you know um give them what they're asking for right um try to analyze like what they're doing their behaviors at that time um you know, as opposed to somebody else who might say, you know what, we're just going to go out and we're going to challenge everywhere we go. Every yeah. drainage we hit, we're just going to throw it in there. And that can be very successful. I think Paul Medell has more like of a finesse, whereas some of your like your Trent's and your Corey's are going to be very aggressive and they're going to go out and they're going to find a bull that wants to play.
0: Mm-hmm. And And with with that strategy, there's nothing wrong with it if you have the time and the sheer determination to keep going and doing that, because that's worked for me. Um, right. and, but there's, then there's this, this other side of it where you have like the elk nut and, um, some of these others out there like Michael Batiste and, and Joe Gillia they have these, 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 mm. these more, I don't want to call them advanced strategies because it's not advanced, it's just different. It's it, where they're, they're finessing these elk and they're, they're allowing the elk to tell them how they want to be hunted. Right. And, and it works. Exactly. It works. And it's, yes. it's great stuff. And that's, that's the beauty of school September is that the you know myself as the host and the listeners listening to it we can all kind of take all these nuggets of information and knowledge and experience and put them into our toolbox and when we're out in the field when we hear some uh, when we hear the elk doing what they're doing or they we see the elk doing what we're doing we we could look back and say you know I heard this similar scenario on the school of September and I, I this is what he said to do um right. anyways yeah and that was that was by design that's why i did it that way you know it's it's just uh i love it i, I i've learned so much I've, I've learned more than the audience has just by doing that that series
1: <laughs> so absolutely yeah well and my strategy for that first successful hunt was <clears throat> listening to paul over and over again a lot of his seminars and stuff he really promotes the breeding sequence mm-hmm. like um, so he says that's like one of their number one killers right and, he, and they've killed just tons and tons and tons of bulls so a few things i mean paul will tell you that he goes out in the morning right before light well before light and they start trying to locate at that time right they want to make sure that when they go in and they're hunting and they're exerting and and you know um getting after it that they're going to be in the elk so um what i did that day is we implemented the breeding sequence so we just we happen to be in a, a place where the the elk were being vocal um a lot of bugling around so we my uncle and i what we did is we simulated a breeding sequence so i was bugling and then we were doing cow calls right so we were kind of simulating like cow going into heat bull tending um and then so what we did is once we once i realized that we had some bulls that were act that were answering us specifically i targeted that bull and i started playing the jealous bull, um, jealous boyfriend kind of deal. You know, every time that bull, every time the bull would like, would bugle, I would cut him off. Then I would start answering with cow. And then it was just really this, I mean, we brought in like five or six bulls that morning before we actually shot the two that we were, that (laughs) we were after. And it was just an, uh, it was just, it was just a method that it was on fire that morning it couldn't fail that morning and it yeah, was the right great. choice then you go into my colorado elk hunt the year later and i'm like i got this i got this foolproof method that i'm going to use it, you know no elk is safe when i'm out here using this breeding <laughs> sequence and boy, I was humbled quick. <laughs>
0: yeah, man.
1: I, w- I was humbled quick because, you know, I went out there. We did call in a, a nice, I think it was a, a five by five. Um, it must have spotted us. My buddy, Ryan, he um, he almost got the draw on this bull that came in, but that was the only bull that answered that type of calling sequence. After that, I was trying to locate in the morning. Um, these, these elk were, um, I found the best strategy in Colorado where I was at two years ago was they were feeding down in the meadows right before light. And then, you know, my strategy was trying to get up the mountainside to cut them off as they were coming back because they were talking a little bit, but it was very, very quiet, very, very subtle. And it was just enough for these elk who were probably within 50 yards of each other just to keep tabs on each other. So that that was a new behavior to me. And I was like, okay, how am I going to hunt these elk? You know, I'm going to try to cut them off. I'm going to try to find out where they're bedding down. Where are they watering? I know they're moving during the day. You know, I just got to make sure I'm in them. And I, and I was hoping for a mistake and I almost got two and, you know, came home with, came home with tag soup. But that was just another eye opening experience to where I said, okay, you can't just go in and blow, you know, bugle your head off, um, you know, and and expect to be successful. So that was it. That was a situation to where I, I, I let the elk tell me how to hunt them.
0: Does it surprise you sometimes when you're like, you move two miles away or, you know, it's it's sun, it's sun, a sunset and the bulls are doing one thing, but at sunrise they're doing something totally different. Does it surprise you how much can change in a few hours or a few miles when you're hunting elk in terms of strategy and what works?
1: It doesn't just because i feel like there's so many factors that can affect their mood their behavior yeah. their habits you know um the year after 2018 the year after i harvested um my first bull i i i went out with my buddy who who drew an arizona northern arizona bull tag and we went out and we got him he shot a bull at eight yards i called him into eight yards and but what i found out that year was that. It's so crazy because the first opening night we set camp. Bulls were everywhere. Then night 2, night 3, the bugling at night started getting more distant and more sparse and and you know it mm. because more hunters were moving in. Yep. They sensed that pressure and we saw that immediate behavior change right then and there. It was real time. It you know it was tangible. So, Interesting. you know, that was that was a great experience too. Yeah. Um a couple of calling sequences worked on that hunt. Um, but by and large, the bulls that year were very quiet. Uh-huh. Um, so my strategy changed. I noticed that these, these bulls were right, right at maybe half an hour after first light, they were starting to head up to these knolls, to these knobs. And it was a unit that had been burnt a few, a few years back. So what you had was, um, you know, these, these hilltops had thick Aspen, you know, like 10 feet growth. So these bulls were bedding in there. So essentially my buddy Brian and I, we made the decision to what we were going to do is try to put elk to bed and then play the wind and, and try to catch them while they made a mistake coming out of their bed in the evening. And that's exact, that's exactly what happened. This bull, we, we sat on this bull for hours and during the day, he would just chuckle or grunt from bed lazily. (laughs) We'd get something like that, I love it. and and then and then he would shut up. And a that couple of days before, we had tried to call these bulls out during midday, and it's like these they're not going to go anywhere, right? They they are there for the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. So we it's the last day of the hunt. We're we're sitting on the side of this hill. We know we put a bull to bed in this thick patch of aspens, and we're like, man, what are we gonna do, dude? Should we just try to stock in on it? And you're like, no, there's no way you're gonna stock in on a bed bull. So, um, it was maybe about an hour before dark and he started chuckling a little bit or grunting a little bit more regular. And I said, you know what? I'm just going to walk up right to the edge of this Aspen and I'm just going to throw the nastiest, gnarliest bugle I can. So I walked up, I did it. And I just, you know, ripped a hard bugle and I heard him get up out of his bed and he immediately started grunting and panting and raking trees and thrashing, and I was like, oh, my God, I said something right to this bull, and he's pissed. So Brian runs up. We meet, and I say, hey, we need to get downwind, a little bit more downwind. The wind shifted a little bit, and let's try to walk this trail right up to him. Every time he's raking that tree, we can gain 10 or 15 steps. Oh, yeah. And that's ex- that's exactly what we did, and he was just – he was just <laughs> – you know, just pissed <laughs> I love and it, and, war- and thrashing this tree. And I got a video of that. I'll post it up later. Yeah, you should. And yeah, finally, we're, we're stocking up and it's like, walk, walk, walk. Stop, stop, stop. Walk, walk, walk. Stop, stop, stop. Until finally, I said, you need to get down. And we took a knee and all of a sudden I see antlers coming right for us. And I'm like, you need to draw, 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 draw. He draws back. That bull comes out to inspect. um you know, to see if there was any other bulls out here because he, he thought somebody was encroaching on his bed. He wasn't looking to breed right then and there, but he was looking to push something out of his bedding zone. And my buddy shot him at eight yards and we recovered him, you know, 30 to 35 yards from that spot.
0: Wow, oh, that's you know,
1: fantastic, man. I what an incredible story. Like, right? I right, I got goosebumps talking yeah. about it just no, because no. it was so close, you could smell them. It was I, just yeah, insane. I love it. And it was a, a game-time decision I made right then and there, and I wasn't thinking about Palmadell's elk app, and I wasn't thinking about things I've heard from Born and Raised Outdoors. All credit to those guys. I think maybe having seen the way they do business successfully... You start to build these scenarios to where you say, if the elk are doing this, I'm gonna do that.
0: It becomes it, it becomes reactionary when you study. When you become a student, correct. Of, of, you know, instead of instead of being like, oh man, I gotta think about what I'm gonna do because I just heard the bull say this. It's like it's like automatic, right? And and that's what a lot of hunters miss is they they don't get to that stage. They don't spend enough time understanding the animals and the behavior and the calling sounds and the sequences and what, what works and what doesn't work. And uh, that's, what's nice about all this content that gets put out there is, is it helps you throughout the year. Keep that edge sharp. It's a way to sharpen that edge.
1: Exactly. And and all credit to Dan for, for the, the segment that you guys did. And he says, look, man, I'm not getting ready for elk, you know, two months before season. He's like, this is a 12-month game for me.
0: Oh, you're never about, take yeah, it you're for ta- granted. You're talking about Dan, over Dan at Staten
1: over Elk Is he yes. a
0: stud or is he a stud? He's
1: a stud. It yeah, motivated man. me. And, you know, I have been wor- I always work out hard the summer before an elk hunt. Mm-hmm. Um, and I stay in okay shape in the off season. But it kind of was like, man, you know, this is – there's only so many good elk seasons in a lifetime
0: Yep.
1: on a body, right? And And, and so you need to make sure that if you're going to be out there – Make sure that you are doing everything right. The elk are always out there training for your hunt. You should be too. Yeah. Kind of how I think about it.
0: Oh, man. We can go We can go down so many rabbit holes with that, man. I mean, <laughs> I, I loved having... Dan I love State, it, dude. Man. I
1: get, I get so excited, man. I, I do man. too.
0: And I want to I wanna get back to it. We're 30 minutes into this. And uh, I feel like there's going to be some listeners because we our audience has grown substantially since last time you were on, man. And so... Sure. um. I is, Rudy, tell a little, uh, tell everybody just real quick, like what do you do for Tacticam, and what is a real basic bird's eye view of Tacticam? Because they and, and anybody who's been listening for a while, you know Tacticam is a sponsor of the show, and we have the Tacticam gear available at WesternHuntsman or, or I'm sorry, the WesternHuntsman.com um, for those that are interested. But uh, and, and I, this is not going to be some running you know, ad for Tacticam in this episode, but it's important that people know who you are and kind of your background there. If you're anything like me, hunting is a year round thing for you. And we're always thinking about how to make our next upcoming season a little bit better. And one way to do that is with gear. And you guys know, I'm not a big gear junkie, but I do have some important gear items that I'm always a huge fan of. And they're right here available on this show. Let's talk about Scree Gear. Scree is my go-to camo. Scree is high-performance hunting attire and gear, scientifically tested camo patterns and all backed by a great company, and I wouldn't recommend it to you if I didn't truly believe in the Scree product. They've got a complete layering system for all terrain and conditions, gear designed to adapt to the weather. It's rugged gear, it's got a lifetime warranty, VIP sizing and exchange program. You can't go wrong with Scree get the best out there without breaking the bank and to make it even better use promo code the western huntsman for 15% off and free shipping hell of a deal check it out at Screegear.com. next on the list is my oldest and fondest sponsor of the show is phelps game calls One thing I love about companies like Phelps Game Calls is the American success story that came out of it. And Phelps started in Jason Phelps' garage years ago, and it's now one of the premier hunting call companies on the market. And I wouldn't point you in that direction if I didn't feel like they were the best calls available. Jump on phelpsgamecalls.com. When you find a call you like, use promo code HUNTSMAN10 for 10% off. I promise you, you will not regret it. Hoffman Boots. Hoffman Boots is a go-to boot company I've been using for years and years and years. And the cool thing about it is I'm only on my second pair of Hoffman Explorers. I put lots of miles on my Hoffman Explorers. They're a great boot. They're not going to cost you a small fortune to get. And they have all the same guarantees and warranties that every other company out there has. If you want to be confident, guys, do not skimp on boots. Go to HoffmanBoots.com. Get you a pair of. Uh, for, for me, I like the 8 inch Explorers, but they also have the 6 inch. They have all sorts of different options. Check it out at HopAndBoots.com and use promo code Huntsman10, all caps lock for 10% off. And last but not least is Tacticam. Are you interested in filming your hunt, and are you interested in helping with conservation efforts throughout the uh, North American continent? Well, then I got a deal for you. Tacticam is a point-of-view type kind of camera that records in 4G. They also have other products like the film through scope, the FTS, and you attach that to your rifle scope and you can film your shot right there. And they have the mounts for your shoulder, for your head, they get, you can mount it to your bow, you can mount it to wherever and whatever you want. Lots of versatility with the Tacticam other products include but are not limited to the fisheye camera the Tacticam spotter LR is definitely worth a look if you want to film what you're seeing through your glass while you're actively hunting and get it on camera it's a great thing but I think that the thing that I'm most excited about with Tacticam this year is the new reveal uh, cell cam that is coming out this, kind of, this trail camera <clears throat> will send you images in real time as they're coming in. They've got like an enhanced antenna for better service. If you're like managing property or something like that or you've got a bear bait set up somewhere that you have phone service, you can get those pictures right there to your phone. This uh, cell cam is super, super cool. I'm really excited about it and you can get all this at the Western forward slash gear. Go to the gear shop, you'll find all the Tacticam stuff right there. Uh, best pricing out there on it. And uh, what happens is we split the uh, profitable revenue from these sales of the Tacticam gear and half of it goes to conservation efforts, uh, which vary depending on what quarter of the year it is. Right now we're raising money and trying to get some money over to Sportsman's Alliance. It's a great cause, and that is what's going to go down when you shop for Tacticam gear at WesternHuntsman.com. so go over there and check it out and get you a camera. Guys, let's get back into it. I sure appreciate it.
1: Yeah, I really appreciate it. Um, I'm involved um, with Tacticam in official capacity. Um, That is my nine to five job. Um, I'm the brand manager for a couple of the product lines um, that Tacticam has. And it didn't start out that way. I had nothing to do with the industry. I was just a guy that enjoyed hunting and um, kind of my passion led me to this um, opportunity. So now I talk hunting all day long and, (laughs) you know, work in the hunting field and it's, It's really exposed me to make a lot of great connections, um, talk to a lot of fascinating people um, who've been doing this a long time. Yeah. And I really value, I think probably the best part about this job is probably the connections that I make and the networking that I make.
0: Dude.
1: Yeah. yeah, And that's why, that's why I always, I always tell people go out to your local non non nonprofit organization banquets like, like, NWTF and the Mule Deer Foundation and Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, you know, they have those fundraising banquets, but it's an opportunity to meet people, you know, um, network.
0: You can drop a shitload of money if you want. I mean, I'm famous for that.
1: Is well, you know, I I know people that got horseshoes up there, you know what? Because they're always winning like
0: rifles and I know packages man. That's, and what I, I'm
1: that's not like, me, dude. Like, I don't pay I don't play a two dollar scratcher because I don't win nothing. The,
0: the 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 recipients of some of these banquets, I they're sending their kids to college on what I'm putting in there. <laughs> and I don't win right. shit except for at the Mule Deer Foundation one year. I cleaned house. I got t shirts, I want a safe well, that's not true. I auctioned. I was the highest bidder on an auction on a safe, which was only the case because I was intoxicated enough to know or, or to think that I could afford that. And I, I, I went home with a safe that night. Next day, I checked my bank account and I found out that I was not rich enough to bid that kind of money on a safe. <laughs> so go to those with caution, folks. I, I, I want to know. Um, so. No, that's a great point, Rudy. I, I love that, and the, the networking, and like you said, you know, just being in the industry, what you what you've been doing, and the and the people you've met. I mean, my life is like fulfilled just doing this podcast because of connections I make, like guys with guys like you, you know, and and right. and it's just it's just amazing, uh, what we could learn from each other, and and how we can we could build like a community of people that have the same goal at the end of the year. Um, you, you know, it, it's just a it's a beautiful thing. Um, Absolutely. I do have a story for you though. I, I want to tell you a story.
1: Are you up first? Lay in? it on me. I'm up. Let's do it. Now, what? Before I go there, you were in the army, right? I was in the army. Oh my gosh. I know. All right. Where are we going with this? Yes, I was in the army. Okay. I was in. I was in. I was in, uh, I was in the 82nd out at Fort Bragg. So I used to bump elbows with a bunch of you Marines down at uh, you know the beaches of North Carolina and stuff. I have some good friends in the
0: Marine Corps. And that, that's what's cool about our friendship, Rudy, is I, I was stationed in North Carolina with the Marines. We were a little different. Right. Our timing was off a little bit, but um, – but By about uh, that, 20 years. No, I'm not that old, dude. <laughs> Come on. Come on. Don't. No. The gray in my beard is because I do this podcast, and I have daughters, all right? It stresses me out. I'm still just a young Fair buck, Roo. I'm just a young buck. Um. No, but this story—it's—it's it's an interesting story. I think you'd appreciate it because it was—it was some time ago, and it was deep, deep, deep in the jungle. And these army airborne guys—it was an entire so, brigade, let's say. Do they still have brigades? They do in the army. Okay, it was an entire yeah. brigade. We're you know a couple thousand troops, whatever. They're walking through the jungle, and the commander of this brigade is up front. And they're walking, and all of a sudden, this dude comes running back to him. He's a soldier. He's an Army Airborne soldier, but he's covered in blood, right? And he's coming back, and he's just frantic. And he's like, what is going on? He runs up to the commander, and he's like, sir, do not go over that hill. There is a Marine over there. And he says, what are you talking about? He says, sir, there is a Marine, and he just about got me. Don't go over the hill. And the commander looks back at his troops and he says, "You know what? Send a squad over there. Let's send a squad of airborne troops over there. Take care of that marine so we can keep going." So this squad, they're super motivated, right? These these are airborne guys. This isn't just your your basic, you know. Well, I don't want to say a job in the in any of the military to offend anybody, but they go running and they're going to go on the attack. Are you are you are you tracking, Rudy? You're tracking. I'm tracking. Right? Okay, you're We're tracking. You. Yeah. This squad of airborne troops, they go, they go flying over this hill. There's like ten of them, and and they go over this hill, and all of a sudden you hear all this gunfire. They're shouting. They're screaming. There's grenades going off. There's blood spitting ass, everything going everywhere. And all of a sudden one of them comes running back, and he's covered in blood. He's got a wound in his arm, and he says, "Sir, we need more men." And the commander says, "It's only one marine." Send an entire platoon. So this platoon, they gear up, they lock and load, they go running, they're charging the hill. And they're going after this Marine that's back there. And you could hear all this gunfire and explosions and grenades going off and missiles and, and spitting ass and blood and guts and everything going crazy. And nothing happens. Nobody comes back. And the commander's getting really concerned. And he says, I'm not messing around anymore. Send an entire company. A hundred airborne troops go flying over this hill. They're running over there. There's guns going off. There's bullets bursting and grenades going off. There's smoke and spitting acid, blood and guts and everything going on. And a guy comes running back and he's limping. He's got a wound in his arm and a wound in his leg and he's coming back to the commander. And the commander runs up and said, what happened, son? And he said, sir, do not send any more men over there. There's not just a Marine. There's two of them. <laughs>
1: like to know how many of your followers are army versus marine so if you're listening to this right now if you're listening to this right now and comment if you're army or if you're marine whichever branch or component has the most we're going to pick one of you guys and i'm going to send a sweet um apparel swag package out that's a promise right now so let us know are you army are you (laughs) Marine? (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh, i know i've gosh. got a good mix of both because I'm, i i get ragged on some of them tell me i eat crayons for a living and others are <laughs> you know you know how it goes
1: yeah, absolutely man appreciate your service brother i appreciate everybody's service out there guys this yeah, is what we do you know it's a strange times we're in right now and um you know this is the greatest fighting force the world has ever known and um, uh, just appreciate everybody out there that's that toes the line amen for us
0: so you know what's beautiful about that whole situation is is what what people may, might not understand because things have gotten so nasty politically and on and all mm-hmm. these other things that we could we could record a whole podcast about it right is the, the the beauty of of what like the joke I told you and the jokes you've told me you told you told me a really good marine joke you got me good um last time you were on the show I didn't even right. have a response I couldn't even respond I was like damn man <laughs> but You're gonna the, have to repost that one. <laughs> I should. I should. But the 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 great thing about it is is for folks listening to take a lesson from you know the, the fun rivalry between the different military branches. That used to be how it was throughout America back back, you know, a decade, two decades, three decades and, and long ago. It was okay to have rivalries and, and and it was okay to make them fun and we could still love each other.
1: Where that's right
0: today. Holy shit, man! You disagree with somebody, and, and especially on Facebook, uh, it's over. You know, like That's family right. members are are disowning each other over it. Uh, <laughs> who's who's presidential candidate they like the most, and and, and yada yada yada. And so, anyways, um, all that to say is I appreciate everybody's service as well,
1: uh, That's right. and,
0: and especially you, Rudy. And I know you uh, you were you were in for a long time, dude.
1: Mm, I had eight years in. Yeah, I had man. eight years, uh, fifteen, yeah. fourteen months in in uh, Sadr City, Iraq. <clears throat> and yeah. uh, actually, matter of fact, I got a humanitarian mission in under my belt. Uh, uh worked at a worked at aid, sta- aid station in Haiti after the earthquake, so that was really, yeah, yeah. really rewarding work. But good deal. But yeah, man. So no. hey, we got some, we got we got some really cool stuff to announce too, because you you recently drew a, a coveted tag, did you not?
0: I don't know how coveted it is, but I drew it, and I'm pretty excited about it.
1: Yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna be I'm gonna be hosting uh, Jim this October for a rifle. House deer hunt, Coos deer hunt oh my in southern you, Arizona. You
0: have changed the way you pronounce that, so uh, we're gonna have to you know,
1: in, in the spirit of our last conversation. Yes,
0: okay, okay. So, I you know, since we've talked last, I had Jim Deere on down there, and he's he's one of your guys down in Arizona, that's right. And he yep. was very, very particular about how he pronounced it, and um. Like Rudy said, I have the pleasure and the privilege to go down and hunt with him um, down in Arizona for a coos deer uh, or cow's deer, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, We're gearing up for it, man, right?
1: We're gearing up. October 22nd is the opener. Um, Told Jim the other day on the phone he better start getting in shape. Uh, I know he's in Idaho, but we got... uh, you know, it's warmer down here. We do, we, we can hunt up to about 8,500 feet. Um, it's really rocky, really craggy, really steep stuff. Um, but I think we're gonna have a great time. I think we're gonna have a great time. Yep. We're gonna, we're gonna be filming the whole time. So I'm gonna have about 10 or 15 tactic cams out there. And, and, um, you know, I think I was thinking maybe, uh, maybe do a, uh, spotlight segment or something you know podcast yeah. like should, during man. or after
0: we should record while we're yeah. out there in the field sometime at some point just i think we like could day, right
1: just do a little 10 or 15 minute bonus yeah. you know yeah. um because it, it really is different country um you're really gonna love it. Uh, it it's it's country to where i'm gonna i'm gonna recommend that you buy some snake gators snake chops.
0: oh great man
1: um we're gonna we're gonna be in rattlesnake country so
0: you know, there's a lot of uh, things I can deal with. I was in the Marines. I can deal with terrorists, but rattlesnakes are are pushing it a little far,
1: man. <laughs> I wear my I wear my snake chaps until the end of November.
0: Okay, so that that's good to know. Um and, and and what's what's super interesting is with with this hunt, um you kind of alluded to it there Rudy is the disparity between the the country that I'm hunting in North Idaho. So, I am like uh an I don't know, less than an hour where I live and where I hunt to Canada. You are, the same predicament, an hour or so less or less uh, to Mexico. And I am hunting these really steep, rugged, uh, coniferous, forested kind of country out here where you can't see more than, you know, on a good day, 100 yards in front of you. Where we're coming down there and I'm a little nervous because my... uh, so I've hunted a lot in Utah, where you can, you, you know, watch your dog run away for three days straight because it's so open. <laughs> and and Arizona is even even more exaggerated with that in, in terms of the country. And it's open and and it's uh, it's rockier, it's steep, it's it's unforgiving country. Um, this is going to be great, man. I'm so looking forward to it.
1: Well, and Arizona's got almost every kind of you know ecosystem you can think of. But yes, where we're going to be down south it's deserty if there it's mesquite it's um a lot of thorn bushes i mean Mm -hmm. a lot of uh, i guess would be equivalent to kind of like sage we get uh you know it's like some of this it's like chest high um creosote brush stuff like that so we're going to be targeting these coos deer up on these up on these hill faces right they like to they like to um, roam different elevation planes Um, the mule deer down here in Southern Arizona really like the flats down in in the, um, on the bottoms and the coos deer tend to to stay high. So we're really going to rely on our, um, on our glass, on our binoculars and our spotting scopes, um, as opposed to putting the miles on up front. Okay. So just like I mentioned to you earlier, you know, my strategy going into New Mexico was kind of get high or get to a place where I can glass a lot of real estate. That's what we're going to be doing here. Yeah. And yeah. you know, when, when you see this big expansive country and you're surrounded by, you know, a couple of different bowls or networks of mountains and stuff, I mean, we can glass deer as far as mm-hmm. a mile away, you know, and then it becomes, is that something we want to pursue? Let's make a plan, get your pack on, let's go after it. I mean, it, it's bang, bang decisions just like that when you're out here hunting coos deer.
0: So basically, what you're saying is I need to upgrade my glass because I, I I'll I'll admit it, man, I haven't in years because well I've got nice set of loophole binos that I just picked up, pretty excited about them. But so in North North Idaho, I there's not a lot of long distance glassing. You don't just sit in glass. It, it, it's that's a thing of the past for me. Um, and so I'm gonna have to like retrain my eye. Um. And and uh, you're gonna have to kind of you know re-show me the ropes on on this glassing thing because it's just not something we do here uh, to, to to that kind of extent.
1: What uh the secret? The secret is um, I gained a lot of patience tree stand hunting in North Carolina and Maryland. Um, it, it's a patience game. Uh, you want to be out there at first light. You want to start. You know there there's a method to glassing. Um, working certain terrain features where the bucks typically like to roam. Mm-hmm. Typically, we're, uh, in October, we, we're probably going to see some bucks that are bachelored up, right? So we may see groups of two or three bucks um, at a time. And, you know, a big coos deer down here, like our goal is going to be, you know, at least a three by three, um, okay. you know, three, three points on each side. Um, and we're kind of shooting for like 70, 80, 90 inches. I mean, that's a that's a good Arizona coos bug. Yeah, yeah. I,
0: and I've yeah. I've been doing some homework. I've been doing some research on it. Uh, um, you you said it earlier. It's interesting how the roles have swapped. So essentially, a coos deer is is very similar. It's it's basically a whitetail. Is is that is that right or wrong?
1: It Is, is it, it is a subspecies of the whitetail.
0: Okay. So what what's interesting with that is like. Up up here in Idaho, the the mule deer are the ones that are up high. They they take the high country, and the whitetail hang out in the low kind of agricultural interface. Mm-hmm. And uh, like where I live, I I have I have whitetail all around me. Um, they're on the property. But if I go, uh, I don't know, 1,500, 2,000 feet higher elevation, just right across the street from me, uh, up into the higher country, we've got we've got lots of mule deer up there. And and you don't you you won't see anything but giant mule or whitetail bucks up up in that high country. So it's interesting right. how that swaps, you know, going down to Arizona. Um, Absolutely. Yeah,
1: it,
0: I'm I'm just looking. I feel like I'm I'm going to a totally different, you know, just just planet or something. You know, hunting these hunting these coos deer. Uh, and, and when I get down there, I don't want to sound like an idiot. So the locals they they'll say, you know, they're they call them coos deer, right? Or or, or, or should I? Should I everybody, everybody
1: says coos. Everybody, okay. everybody says coos. the layman's way to say it is coos, right? Okay. Um, so I mean that's how we say it. But I don't want to come know, down
0: there and like go get uh, you know some some uh, authentic Arizona, southern Arizona food or something in a restaurant and be laughed out of the restaurant because I call them coos deer or cows deer. So I, I got to know. I got to know that they, they can't call me a tourist when I'm there, right?
1: Yeah. Well, outside of maybe like some forums that have debated it or maybe a video like, you know, uh, a Renella video or something like that. Like, I've never heard it spoken the other way.
0: OK, cool. OK. We're, here, yeah. we're good. We're good. But, I, I like saying mm-hmm. coos. It's a fun word.
1: <laughs> Coosers. That's what we call them. Tuesday, Tuesday. Tuesday Coosday um, is where we, we like to share a lot of our, our pictures and stuff. I know you're going to have a great time. Um, I think we're going to get some really cool footage that you can post um, on the website. We'll share a bunch of it. Um, it's a different experience. And, um, and for your listeners listening um, out of state tags, it, it's not impossible to get, to draw a tag. So in Arizona, you, for a rifle, you have to, you have to enter the lottery. Um, but there's some units down South, which hold really good animals, really good numbers uh, in the herd. Um, and you can probably get drawn for a coos tail hunt within one to three years. And you don't have to wait 10 years to get drawn. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I you think, know, like some places.
0: I think that's a great point, Rudy, because uh, a lot of people, when we think about hunting in Arizona, we think, oh, man, we have to build up 10 years of points or 20 years of points or whatever. Um, and a lot of that comes from elk. Uh you know Correct. like your unit 2 I want to say it's unit 2 and unit 20 or something like that anyway elk
1: trophy mule deer and bighorn yeah. sheep Yeah you, yeah <laughs> That's half and a lifetime so, to draw some of those But
0: I mean I have never applied in Arizona uh until this year and I I put in and I applied and and it, it was interesting how that happened because you were saying that you know other folks had already had their credit cards you know hit and you know they were already seeing seeing all that kind of process through, and I, I hadn't seen anything. And then it was like a week later, all of a sudden I get this hit from Arizona Fishing Game, and I'm like, dude, I drew. And you're like, you're kidding me. It 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 was it was just crazy. So it's not that hard to draw, is the point. It's a, and it sounds like it's a great hunt.
1: No, well exactly, and we do have over the counter opportunities. So if you're out there and you're like, hey, I'd like to chase you know some Arizona mule deer or a nice coos deer um, over the counter archery there almost every part of the state has at least one or a few seasons that you can come down here and chase you know coos deer with a bow um, and all you have to do is, is buy that tag over the counter bear bear is over the counter um, there are some turkey hunts that are over the counter so arizona Drawing an elk, a good elk tag, it's gonna take you a few years. Bighorn sheep, forget about it. I'm too old. I'll never put in for one. <laughs> Dude, start putting you your gotta, daughters you, in. You man. gotta, you Go gotta start down. doing that when they're ten years old. That's yep. right. Yep. Yep. Um, but yeah, no, there, there's a lot of opportunities down here. And I know bear probably won't excite Idahoans. Be Idahoans, Sandy Diegans, What do you guys call it?
0: Idaho, uh, Idahoans or real Ida- men? Real men, I think, is one <laughs> other way. <Okay>. Real men. <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: somebody's giggling out there right now uh, yeah I mean you guys you guys got great bear seasons and stuff like that so yeah, I guess do. really the really really the allure down here would either be like javelina which is collared peccary kind of looks like a, a wild boar oh dude
0: can I buy can I get a javelina tag or is
1: that something Not, I have to you can but we have to put you in for the draw and that's January February
0: ah shit so I, I, I forgot to do that huh
1: well, the hunts not till January, February. So there, there's actually no javelina hunts in October for adults. Oh, those. gotcha.
0: Yeah, gotcha,
1: there's a youth gotcha. hunt that goes on. But uh, yeah. if if you like what you see and you want to come back and, and chase uh you know coos or mule deer with a bow, some January, February, we can definitely put you in for that. You and that's what, the cool I, thing I... about the archery season is you can do you can hunt either species yeah. at the same time. Yeah, we're
0: gonna be doing rifle. We're gonna be doing rifle. Right? We're gonna be doing rifle. Yeah. yeah.
1: Do so I... I would suggest that you you need to be proficient. I would say probably comfortable shooting out to 500.
0: Okay, yeah, that's not a problem. Um, can I? Do I need to bring my uh, my Tacticam cameras, or should uh, are you guys you good with them?
1: Because I don't mind yeah, right Bring, bring what you got. Okay, because uh, I we'll want to, I want to
0: make some videos, man, and and put them on on our YouTube and all that kind of stuff. I've never really done that kind of thing before in the past, and and uh, we're we're talking here at the Western Huntsman about you know putting these hunting videos out. Um, and yes. so we're gonna start doing that this year, and I want to talk about that Tactcam 5.0 and the and the wide. The, the wide lens 5.0 because I, I took some pretty good footage of this, this last bear season. So I did not tag out this last bear season. So I didn't put a video together. Um, but it's, I, I, I just want to touch on real quick without making this sound like, you know, a tact cam ad, um, the simplicity and the ease of using these cameras in conjunction. So for, for those of you listening for what, what I do is I have a shoulder mounted 5.0, tact cam point of view camera that is is mounted via my pack my shoulder strap on the pack right and and this actually came rudy gave me the idea he he uh texted me the 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 link to get this little um gosh shoulder strap it's a velcro mount. shoulder strap exactly. like camera yeah. strap. yeah mm-hmm. so so i strapped that on and then what i carry with me along with that is this flex clamp and that actually came from my buddy uh, Bob Legasa. and uh, he's like, "Yeah, just get you get you one of these flex clamps, and you you put your tech cam in it." And so when I'm calling in an elk, for example. I can take the flex clamp and I can I can clamp that it's it's like uh, just any kind of clamp you know everybody knows how they like work. an alligator clamp exactly you squeeze them you throw it on the limb right there by the tree and what I did is I put the wide lens on there because I don't know exactly what angle that's going to be taken and so I throw that on the tree limb and then I advance forward a little bit so that's filming and then I have my shoulder mounted uh tech cam 5.0 to my pack so that's kind of basically getting the point of view right from my head so to speak because it's right next to my head and and it's all controlled by one remote control that hangs over my neck on this lanyard and so it's it's super cool because i can get the bowl fired up i clamp i clamp the the wide lens i've got the i've got the smaller 5.0 um uh, to on my pack my shoulder strap and i hit that button on on that uh, remote and they're both recording these two different angles and it's amazing. I mean, it's, it's, it's a perfect way, especially if you guys are out there hunting solo. Um, this is how you capture that footage. And, and this is how you're going to get it to a point into, like, sh- to, to be able to show the perspective as to what you were at. It's going to capture the sound, the, the, the footage. It's in like 4K. Um, all this stuff. It's, it's a great way to capture those memories and keep them forever and never have to worry about it. It's super easy to use. You got anything to add? That was like, I got, I got really excited there, but.
1: Go ahead. No, I see, and, and, I, and I love to hear that, so, and, but that's a great point for your Idaho hunters. Guys, you can't mount anything electronic to your bow or your shotgun or your rifle if you're hunting big game, right? So it's really important to know and understand your laws and regulations and, out there. And
0: guys, I've had a lot of questions, not to cut you off, Rudy, we'll get right back to mm-hmm. that, but I've had a lot of questions regarding whether or not that pertains to bear season. Yes, you cannot film through the scope or um, have it mounted to your weapon for bear season. Just just a clarification. Sorry, Rudy, I cut you off. Go ahead. No,
1: that's that's perfect. And and so that was one of the solutions that we found for Jim was to be able to run either a shoulder strap, a head mount, which which the head mount I find I get headaches when I wear a head mount, yeah, like a rubber band heavy, around my head. It gets, it gets heavy. So I really love that shoulder that shoulder mount on my pack. Because when I'm hunting unless I'm sitting down for lunch or something, I always have my pack on my back. So that's just, if you're in Washington state or Idaho, I think North Dakota, maybe one or two other States, you can't actually mount the camera to your, you know, big game hunting platform. So there's really clever ways to incorporate cameras, action cameras, or tactic cams in your hunt. And I suggest guys, if you haven't done it before, the first time you catch that kill on film and you're able to watch it that night while you're eating backstrap, I mean, it's incredible. Yeah. You'll, you'll play that video a thousand times. You'll, sh- you'll, you'll make sure everybody knows, you know, it's the cool factors way high. The functionality factors way high. You know, let's just say if you are in a, you know, you make a questionable shot, you review it right there in the wood, you say hey, should I back out, come get it in the morning yeah. or should I just give it a few hours and go pursue it or no that was right in the ten ring. You know, there's it's definitely functional. The options to,
0: are there. And you know what? Correct. Um I guess I don't know. The the way to put that is one of the things that really surprised me with with like the TACCAM 5.0 um is the sound quality that you get because I thought okay I don't have any kind of external microphone and as a podcast guy I'm always you know pretty cognizant of of how the sound quality is and and it was it was interesting seeing as I'm I'm walking through you know it's not like you have um a foamed up mic or anything like that mm-hmm. it's not okay. that good but it is so much better than, like, your cell phone or, like, if you were using a GoPro or, you know, it sounds like you're in a tin can. The sound right. quality on them is, is, is really good, and that's always been one of the things that really impressed me with the Tacticam. Um, and so, uh, I don't know. I Again, I don't want to make this a Tacticam ad.
1: That's not what we're doing here. Uh, no, but at at least we're talking about the merits of why somebody would want to sell film. And and to me, it's just, it's so fulfilling and it adds just another element of challenge to your hunt. It does. I mean, it's, yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's, there's plenty of reasons why, why you'd want to, but, um, let's talk about giveaway real quick.
0: You want to, let's talk about giveaway. You're up for it. I'm up for it if you're up for it.
1: I'm going to, I'm going to throw it out there. So, um, One thing that you guys in Idaho and other states that don't allow, you know, um, weapon mounted cameras, you know, we introduced last year our Spotter LR. The Spotter LR is a 4K camera that attaches to almost any spotting scope on the market. Um, So essentially, it's perfect for scouting, shooting range, target shooting, um, kill shots, all that stuff. So this camera weighs... You know, 10 out, 10 or 11 ounces mounts right to the back to, to any spotting scope eyepiece. It records in 4K, um, exceptional battery life, lots of memory. Um, yeah. And we're going to be so, giving we oh go ahead, go ahead. We're we're going to be giving one away. So um, this quarter we we uh, we decided on a challenge. What did, what do we say, Jim?
0: I'm thinking like what you said. And guys, just to clarify one thing, this Spotter LR, this is a $300 system. This is uh, something that is when you mount it and you've got your SD card in it and everything. I mean, this thing's amazing. You got to check it out. You got to check it out. Go to Tacticam.com and check it out because it really is. It's a badass piece of equipment that anybody who is scouting or hunting would really benefit from having. When you're scouting and you put that Spotter LR into your spotting scope and you're watching through that the the information that you could garner for them from that information, you know the, the footage that you get from that is super beneficial to you again i'm not trying to overly promote this stuff but it is in any hunter's best interest to be able to get this stuff that you see in real time on footage for you to review think of it this way a good football team always reviews footage of their own plays and, and the opponent's team. This is kind of the same concept, especially with the spotter LR. So, it, again, this is a great piece of equipment. And what, what Rudy and I talked about is, for those of you out scouting over the next, I don't know, what, six weeks, Rudy?
1: Let's say Let's say now to the end of September. Now to the end of September. Is there I, your opportunity to submit a video. We're doing a video challenge. Yep, uh, it's a
0: video challenge, and this video challenge does not necessarily have to be with the spotter L R or a TechCam product. It j- you could take your cell phone and kind of just film yourself scouting and talk about through what, binos, through, yep, through scope, binos, whatever. scope, whatever. What is that? Uh, the phone scope. You can even use that. And, and you can just, or if you're out scouting and you've got your spotting scope set up, you could take your cell phone, record a video, and explain what you're looking for, what you've learned, what you're trying to get out of the scouting expedition, you know, all that kind of stuff, and, and submit it to us at Jim of the Western Huntsman.com. And I'm going to share that with Rudy, and we're going to t- determine a winner. What do you want to add to that, Rudy?
1: Yeah, that's it. We're gonna—I don't know if we're gonna post it uh, either on one of our websites or whatnot. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe we'll decide, or we'll create a panel to decide, or yeah. maybe let the fans decide what video they like the best. And if you submit the best preseason scouting video, doesn't matter what it is—elk, bear, predators, whatever—you're gonna—we're gonna send. I'm gonna send you a spotter LR and a and a nice swag bundle. So
0: that's right. And and so it's it's a great. It's a great giveaway, guys. This kind of thing is, you know, we don't take our giveaways very lightly here at the Western Huntsman. Um, and, and this partnership that we have with Tacticam is important to us in a sense that, you know, we, we have to believe in these products. You guys know that I am not some big gear junkie. I'm not one of those dudes that says, hey, if you appro- – well, I'll tell you what. If I advertised every piece of equipment that approached my, ep- or my podcast – to say, hey, you should you should let us sponsor you. You guys would have half the podcast be sponsorship ads. I deny ninety nine point nine percent of them, and 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 that is because I don't know them. I don't know how they work. I don't know how they you know are used in the field. I don't know how they're beneficial to you as a hunter. That is not the case with 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 camp This Spotter LR is perfect for you guys, so, and 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 that um this giveaway. <laughs> I, I love it because it is something that is going to help you guys in a sense of getting out there and scouting, doing the work, putting in the miles, getting out there and getting some footage down. Uh, again, it could totally be – I don't care if you have a an old uh, iPhone 1 and you're out there and you just – you know, you're just kind of – talking about what you're doing and what you've found and what you've learned and what you what you expect out of this hunting season based on what you've seen throughout your scouting season uh it is going to apply to this contest and so i want you guys to submit that footage and it could be you know what do you think Rudy like 30 seconds to to yeah. a couple of minutes.
1: Uh, let's keep it short hey guys uh i'm so and so this is what i'm after this year check this uh check this bear out check this deer out yeah Um, Yeah, really simple Mm -hmm.
0: yeah super simple super quick uh the reason you know just just keep it quick short and sweet because we gotta we'd like to post some of these so if you do Mm -hmm. send them to that we are going to assume that you are giving us permission to share them um and we'll use your name and all that kind of stuff so don't be shy just submit us a video and show us what you're doing out there scouting-wise. Uh, it it's too easy, it,
1: right?
0: Yeah, super easy. And you could be in the running, or you will be in the running, for the Tacticam Spotter LR. Uh, again, that's a $300 piece of equipment, and it is freaking amazing. I'm excited for you guys to check it out. So Yeah,
1: yeah. appreciate that, Jim.
0: No, that's, that's, that's awesome, man. I appreciate you guys doing that because it's not, Absolutely, I didn't pay for this. You got, you guys are forking it out. You you guys, we want to have fun,
1: man. We want to have fun. You have a great platform. I love your challenges. I really love the one where you had people write, you know, youth write letters and send it in. Mm -hmm. That was exciting. So we, uh, we want to help bring value to your listeners and stuff. We appreciate you guys as a company. We appreciate the listeners, the fans, the followers, um, this year in 2022, we're going to be doing a lot of uh, trade, sh- getting back into trade shows and stuff. Um, I work a lot of the Western trade shows. Um, if you see me out, if you see Tacticam there at an SCI event or um, uh, what's another one? Like the, um, the
0: the Hunt Expo kind of things. The, the Western, Western,
1: Western Hunter Expo, is yeah. exactly. ISEs International Sportsmen's Expo. Come and find me, guys. Let's have a conversation. Um, thank you for giving me the opportunity to you know have a platform just to share my experiences guys I'm not an expert. I'm just a guy that loves to hunt and loves to talk about it yeah and um, if you find me, pull me aside man. We'll talk for an hour before we realize what
0: happened So. that's Rudy and I, that's why we get along very well uh, and Rudy um, man you're you're a great American man. Uh, I appreciate your service to the country. Uh, I appreciate what you're doing with Tactic Cam. It's just a, you got a great message. Um, you you have a really good, articulate way as to how you, uh, like like to share the information for hunters and and uh, you know, moving forward, love to get get you back on the show again. Um, absolutely. It's just it's just a lot of fun. So I appreciate it, man. Uh, thanks for coming on the show, guys. Submit your videos, and don't forget, there is a spotter LR on the line, and you might in. If you play your cards right, let me put it to you this way: If you play your cards right, you're gonna get some Western Huntsman swag as well out of the deal. So we got stickers, oh we boy. got T-shirts, we got all that stuff. But we just want to see the footage, uh, guys. Put it out there and, and send it our way. Uh, Rudy, uh, do you have time for one more story, or should I just call it call it quits now?
1: Your your fans love story time, Jim, so I'm gonna give you the opportunity. Lay it on me. So there's this town.
0: And the town has a mayor, right? And the town also has a pigeon problem. The pigeons are taking over the town. And there is just pigeon shit everywhere. And it's just like polluting the town. It's a problem, right? Right. There's 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 pigeon shit on the on the on the statue in the middle of the town. It's on the city hall. The judge, the town judge when he's walking to work, he gets he gets crapped on on his head. It's a big problem. So the town puts out or I'm sorry, the mayor puts out an ad in the town newspaper and he says if somebody could solve our problem, we are willing to pay to get rid of this pigeon problem. And so this man approaches. He happens to be a United States Marine, approaches the mayor, and he says, For $1,000, I will get rid of your pigeon problem, plus $100 for every question you ask. And the mayor says, $1,000? What will the taxpayers say? I don't know if I can afford that. And so he keeps he he denies the marine and he says now nah, we're just going to keep trying to find some other options. And and time goes by. Weeks are ticking by. In the meantime, old ladies are slipping on pigeon shit on their way to the grocery store and this big problem is developing and the pigeon problem is getting nothing but worse and worse and worse. So, the mayor calls up that marine and he says, "Okay. $1,000 plus a a 100 bucks for every question I ask, you could solve the pigeon problem. And the Marine says, yes, sir. I can be there tomorrow. And he says, okay, you show up tomorrow. So the Marine comes down in the middle of town, right there in in Times Square, or whatever you want to call it, and he pulls out this cage out of his pack. It's an Alice pack. Pulls out a cage, and there's a pink pigeon in it. And he opens up the cage. And he points to the sky, and the pink pigeon flies up and makes a big loop. And every pigeon in town starts following the pink pigeon. And the marine points to the south, and the pigeon takes off to the south and takes all the pigeons out. No more pigeons in this here town. Rudy, are you tracking?
1: I'm tracking. I smell what you're cooking.
0: Okay. So the mayor comes up to him a couple days later and he says, "Okay, all the pigeons are gone. We don't have any more old ladies falling on pigeon shit. Here's a check." And he hands the marine a check for eleven hundred dollars. And the marine kind of looks at him and he says, "You know, even though I'm a marine, I could do a little math here. I said a thousand bucks plus a hundred bucks for every question you ask. You must have a question for me." And the mayor looks at him and says, "Yes. Do you have any pink Army Airborne Rangers?"
1: Oh <laughs> First, two, two two notes here. First of all, I need to up my storytelling game. Second, I think the next giveaway, we're gonna have your fans one up us. <laughs> we should, man. All right, buddy. I, I appreciate you
0: coming on the show. That was a lot of fun. Um it always is with you and uh I'm i I'm really looking forward to this hunt we're gonna do down in southern Arizona. And uh, feel free to to think of some good jokes and get me back when when I'm down there because we'll record again.
1: I will. Hey, guys, Hunt Hard, God bless, and thank you for having me on. Thanks
0: a bunch, Rudy. You made it all the way to the end.